HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Heritage Foods USA, the nation's largest distributor of heritage breed pigs and turkeys. For more information, visit heritagefoodsusa.com. I'm Laura Stanley, host of Inside School Food. You are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum from the Brooklyn Kitchen, a cooking store located at 100 Frost Street in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Join me every Wednesday as I talk with people about what they do and how it influences their personal food stories. This is a show about people, life, and food. You can find Feast Your Ears as well as lots of other great shows at heritageradionetwork.org and on iTunes. Follow me on Instagram at feast.yr.ears. Before we get started today, um, I just wanted to mention that uh, everyone here at Heritage, our thoughts uh, go out to the folks at S. Wallace Edwards and Sons in Surrey, Virginia. Um, they're makers of incredible country ham, bacon, and a lot of other things, and a longtime supporter of Heritage Radio. And um, they suffered a devastating fire at their facility this past Tuesday. Mm. Luckily, nobody was hurt. Um, everyone is safe, um, but their production has been halted for the time being. So they're in our thoughts. We're all hoping that they'll be back making real food real good real soon welcome to episode 17 of feast your ears uh in the studio with me today on a chilly january 20th is kadeem o founder and head of mama o's kimchi kadeem grew up in silver spring maryland um, and made the leap into fermented foods in around 2008 kadeem just got off a red eye so we're trying to keep him awake so i'll probably ask a lot of questions but thank you kadeem for joining me uh thanks thanks for having me harry um can you uh when you meet somebody, you were just on a plane. I don't know. Mm. You know, whenever I sit down on a plane next to somebody, I you know you start talking. Oh, where are you from? What do you do? Mm-hmm. Um, when that happens, what do you tell people? Uh, well, what do I what do I like like as far as like what I do? Yeah, when like, somebody, when someone's you know when you sit down next to somebody and they're like you know oh who's this guy? What do you, you know? You guys start chatting and you're like oh, I live in Brooklyn. Uh, and they say what do you do? What do you tell them? Oh well, well my my stock my stock answer is whatever pays the bills. <laughs> But then, because uh, you know, uh, you hate uh, I hate that to be, being the first question like that. That's like your sole so- source of identity. But uh, then, but then, um, you know, when I give them a straight answer, I tell them uh, I make kimchi. I I I, I make kimchi. Uh, I chop 
chop the cabbage and uh, put it in jars and uh, and uh, offer it to people. Awesome. And uh, just want to say that if anybody is listening who hasn't tried Mama O's, they should definitely uh, get out there and find some. I know you're available now in all over the country, right? Uh, yeah. Well, so far, mainly I'm um, concentrated in the Midwest, uh, the Northeast, North Atlantic, and the Mid-Atlantic. Um, and I've limited distribution out on the West Coast. Uh, and uh, so that's why I was out at, in San Francisco uh, doing the, the fancy food show and also um, – doing the uh good food awards let's hear the let's hear your uh, let's hear your awards ring there can you shake them around so because this is radio you can hear the awards you can't see them um Kadeem, and, and because it's radio that's why i wore the awards <laughs> <laughs> um Kadeem was honored uh this year uh at the good food awards a couple of days ago in san francisco um with an award for his baby bok choy uh, mm-hmm. kimchi and was a finalist for his kimchi paste um, and uh, the Good Food Awards are something that I am personally very involved in. Um, not that there's any kind of, you know, I didn't, I didn't vote for Kadeem. I didn't know that it was his thing. It was a blind taste. I'm super excited that he won. But the Brooklyn Kitchen has been a supporter of the Good Food Awards and Seedling Projects um, for a number of years. And I actually was out there. I was on the same stage as Kadeem. I presented one of the awards. And it's a, an award that was created uh, in the last five, six years to really celebrate makers of good food and of real food and who aren't using, um, you know, preservatives and who aren't, you know, making, making items and then rebranding them from other people and who are really working with their hands to make the best food possible. And there's a number of different categories. So in the pickle category, um, Kadeem won an award. Congratulations. Thanks. Thanks. It was, it was a really an honor, uh, uh, just seeing Carlo Petrini on stage delivering the uh, the opening speech was uh, it was uh, it was amazing because he dropped just fire in Italian and then his his like hot Italian translator dropping even more fire in English it was just like it was really amazing and really inspiring because uh, uh, we um, I think the basic uh, gist is that we are we all have a responsibility to be stewards of the land and. Uh, to, uh, and provide provide food, but but provide it responsibly and ethically um, as well. Yeah, he was he, his speech was incredible. I mean, one of, one of my favorite things about it is you know he started off and he said I'm going to tell you three things, and then he went on for like six or seven minutes, and I thought, you know, well maybe I mean did he just sort of barrel? Is that all three? I'm not really sure. And then he stopped for a second. And he said, okay. This is my second point. And he went on, you know, it was, I mean, he was, you know, it was, it was amazing. And I think that, um, I, I totally agree with you. I think one of the most amazing things that he talked about is the idea that we are, you know, we are stewards of these things, but that by creating good, real food, we are doing more than just making something delicious and more than just feeding people that we're providing for people, for the future, that we're providing for a community, that we're providing jobs, that we're taking care of the earth. I mean, that yeah. all of these things are wrapped up in what we do mm-hmm. as food producers. And mm-hmm. it's not just serving somebody something on a plate. A- absolutely. And it's just, uh, you know, trying to do it the right way, like being golden rulers, you know, do unto others as you'd have done to yourself. And that really applies to, to the mother to the mother earth, because uh, once, uh, you know, mother earth isn't here, then... Uh, you know, we're not here. Yeah. I, guess, I guess that's why we're trying to figure out how to get to Mars, right? Yeah, right. Mess, mess that up too. <laughs> yeah, expand. Uh, but you know, I mean, it, it was it was an inspiring event. It was a delicious event. Yeah, um, super fun, super fun. Yeah, 
the guys from Olympia Provisions were awesome MCs. They they killed it with the with all the jingles and fun times and uh, and then the food. Oh, the food after the drinks, yeah. the cider, more more drinks. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think I, I got back and I felt like I really, I mean, you know, so much of the, the stuff that ends up being being served at those kinds of events and, and the events surrounding them, I mean, mm-hmm. the Good Food Awards and then the Fancy Food Show and the Mercantile and just people going out to eat. And, you know, it's a huge, it's a huge celebration and we're all also working and networking with people and, and you know, ordering things and receiving orders, placing orders. Um, but I felt like there's almost never enough kimchi or mm. vegetable uh, or fermented food around like around that i just my stomach was like yearning for it when I, I got back i wholeheartedly agree with you i think uh for next year i'm just gonna come out with like uh kimchi belts like <laughs> you know, it's like a little cup on totally. a belt yeah totally yeah, you just dip in after you eat a piece of pork something like that yeah yeah maybe you could do like a you know like gogurt you could do like kimchi and like a gogurt oh, yeah. package yeah Hey, maybe okay, yeah, yeah, all right, all right. new new for 2017. Yeah, totally. That way you can just carry it in your pocket when you need a kimchi shot. <laughs> just squeeze. <laughs> uh, but I came back and I was just like, man, I just I like I need a salad. And yeah. I need some water. Yeah, but then I need something that's not you know wine or beer, yeah, or just, whiskey. Or, yeah, just just like sip on some vinegar or something. Yeah, totally. Um, so yeah, so that was that was great, and then you also had a booth at the fancy food show, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah, the fancy food show was uh, was uh, crazy, overwhelming. It's three days of this giant food food show where it, people come from all over the world and they're selling their wares, and it's um, it's really I, I got to say the most amazing thing about it is it's i mean it's great but it's there's so much crap there it's like it's kind of slightly amazing yeah i mean to be honest you know we didn't even um i, I brought my buyer and my gm from the brooklyn kitchen out and we went to the good food awards mm-hmm. went to the good food mercantile and we spent yeah. a lot of time looking at other stores because i for us that's always super mm. important and inspiring you go to other stores that are doing similar things we went mm-hmm. to buy right oh, yeah. canyon market went to see fatted calf cheese plus mm-hmm. el campo meats i mean you know looking at all those places you get inspired but you also get ideas and you find new product right yeah. on their shelves the fancy food show i have always it just every year it gets a little bit harder because it's massive i mean thousands of vendors and you're walking for days yeah. and you know you see people that you like i mean I, you know it would have been nice to see you there i'm really glad that i got to see you somewhere else and didn't have to go there to <laughs> hang out with you but you just look at all this stuff and it goes on and on and on and my wife describes it and the same thing happens in the housewares industry at these trade shows you get this sort of stockholm syndrome where like so, at the end of day two you see a product that like seems good right right because everything else is so bad right right and you're like oh this would be great and you like place an order for it or you're like you're actually considering it and you get home and you just look at it you're like what was oh yeah yeah that that it's just like i don't i don't know it's like a ringer in the special olympics right (laughs) (laughs) that's that's my my best probably worst analogy that ever made but i think you know i think it's a little different i mean as a retailer for me going there has its value in seeing people but i'm not going to pick up new i'm not gonna pick up new vendors but i have to assume for you especially not being from the west it's probably really good i mean i'm assuming that you you know find lots of new accounts and meet lots of new people who might not have known about your product already yeah absolutely and and what's what uh my main mission uh out there was to uh get um more distribution out there so that um, I can be in more more places and and, and spread the, the the kimchi gospel. 
So when you're working with uh, distributors over there, I mean, your product is a fresh product. Mm-hmm. It's not shelf-stable. Yeah. So that presents some logistics issues, right? It has to ship refrigerated cross Yeah, country. yeah. And that, that, that's a real... Mm, it's not my my it's not my ideal scenario because uh i really i I would much rather um open up a factory out on the west coast and just um because instead of making here shipping it three thousand miles it's uh it's uh, in my mind i I think it's better to open something locally and then this way uh I, i just keep the business local um but uh that you know that also has has its challenges too so um it uh, so that that is actually my final goal, but uh, nice. right now the the plan is to to kind of generate the business first, and so if I have to start by by shipping things cross country, right. and then once I have the business, then I can go then um, I can I can alter my my business model so that I'm able to uh, uh, utilize the the customer base that I have to to um, to, to uh, fund. Um, opening up a new business out there i think that's a great plan i mean that sounds like a very solid way to expand i mean you know hopefully there's enough appetite for kimchi you could have a factory on the west coast and a factory in chicago and a factory in houston i mean you know you could like yeah. do all of this stuff locally because having such a great fresh product right and then you're cutting down on shipping you're employing people locally exactly. and it gets back i mean it gets exactly. back a little bit to what carlo petrini was talking about yeah. right that you know if you are able to support a community around it, the community is going to support you as well. Totally, totally, and and I think that's uh, it. Big businesses, it, it's like small business is the new big business. It's like uh, creating multiple smaller businesses that um, that do support the local economy with with jobs, and then you're also buying locally, and um, and uh, it, it 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 gives it that that you know gives people this a sense of um, of uh it's like being the the home you know being being the hometown hometown favorite in right. every town right yeah that's, that's great so let's talk for a minute about how you got into got into kimchi i mean you didn't you know you didn't grow up in a kimchi factory you didn't grow up in a company right, right? yeah I'm, I'm i'm the son of a dry cleaner so that's about as korean as it gets <laughs> um and uh and your folks came to this country in the 70s right and you yep. were born here mm-hmm. um so i was born in silver spring my sister was actually born in korea and then um so growing up i lived a a, a pretty uh stereotypical uh suburban life uh went to school was a skateboarder that was my my thing and then in college um I, I got into DJing, and that's all I wanted to be after that was a DJ. So that's what I did. And so uh, I've been a, a working DJ for over 20 years. And um, But however, you know, I'm getting a little long in the tooth to be DJing every night. So um, uh, I started this, this party called Mixtape Riot, created a band, the Beatards, and we started uh i started uh making music and licensing out to like different tv shows uh movies video games but uh the the way that um mama o's uh started uh was completely by uh i wouldn't say mm, i guess it was an accident because i just needed kimchi for myself cuz all the stuff in the stores is just horrible and uh so I asked Mama, and you were living in New York, right? At the time. Right. So um, I asked my mom to teach me how to make it. And so what I would do is I would take the Chinatown bus down to DC, 
and uh, I would bring back a cooler full of kimchi because wh- when you make kimchi, basic when you make kimchi at home, you basically make a case at a time, and the case is around forty to fifty pounds. And so I, I would bring that back and give it to my friends, and they were like, "Oh, this is great! You should you should sell it." And I, I thought that was a, a pretty like nifty idea. And um, I was buying ribs from my butcher uh, Jeffrey at Essex Market, who's, who's not around now, but that was uh, the spot in the Lower East Side. And uh, um, he, he says to me, uh, and this is my Jeffrey voice, Oh, you eat kimchi with rice? Uh, you eat that with uh, kimchi and rice? You eat like a king. And so I'm thinking, you know, what do you know about kimchi, 50-year-old Jewish guy with a ponytail? <laughs> and then uh, I asked him, do you like kimchi? He's like, yeah, I love it. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'll bring some by. So brought some by, checked up on it. And asked him what he thought, and he was like, I love it. And then this is exactly what I said. I said, uh, you know, I sell this shit. And, uh, and he said, I want to start carrying it. So after that, um, I had to come up with the name, packaging, uh, incorporate, get insurance, all of that good stuff. And uh, I started doing demos there. And then a friend brought me to uh, Marlo and Daughters. I met Carolyn Fidanza over there, and yep. she, she loved the kimchi. And... So from there, another spot, another spot, and uh, then um, and then eight. What what is it? Eight years later now, <clears throat> I'm doing uh, uh, Whole Foods, uh, William Sonoma, Dina DeLuca, Brooklyn Kitchen, Murray's <laughs> Cheese, Zabar's, and uh, all of the uh, the best spots you want to go to to get um, real good food. That's uh, that's great. I mean, that's a it's a it's an inspiring story. I think that there's a lot there about it being something that you know you just really loved right i mean you grew up having it i assume as a kid there was always your mom's kimchi in the fridge yeah yeah my mom's or or my grandma's and the thing is it's i really felt um sad that the way that kimchi's represented was the the representation of kimchi it, it was so bad and uh, for when I first started the business, uh, I would ask people if they liked kimchi, and I'd and when people would say yeah, I'll I'll just be shocked because I'm like, why? Because <laughs> you know, all, all this stuff out here is horrible. So why do you even like this stuff? Um, so I I also I, I felt a little bit of a responsibility um, uh, as a as a Korean to to try and uh, make a good representation of what is the soul of Korean food. Right pun intended i think that uh, that that kimchi you know for me in the in the specialty food sort of business represents a really interesting case study because it is something that you know obviously is so much a part of korean culture korean mm-hmm. food korean life i mean it was important you were you were dragging a cooler of this stuff on the bus yeah. just so you could have your mom's kimchi and it's something that in those last eight years has really exploded i mean we have seen it come to a point where you know our customers know it our customers make it yeah you know our customers buy your kimchi paste and cabbage because they're like i'm gonna go home and i'm gonna make this but they don't just do it once yeah they do it regularly yeah and they're not korean yeah well well the the funny thing is that um uh on on speaking of talking to people on the plane waiting for the plane there's this like uh like 80 year old grandmother uh white grandmother from new, new hampshire and uh, I was talking to her, and I was like, oh, what do you do? She's like, oh, I, uh, I, I have a farm. I make kimchi. I make organic kimchi. I'm like, <laughs> what? Go ahead, Granny. And, uh, yeah, she was super into the, the you know, uh, lacto-fermented foods. And, and I think that's uh, 
Um, where I'm, I'm lucky is that people are really becoming uh, more and more aware of the, the health benefits of kimchi and uh, lacto-fermented foods and how uh, what we what we really need to do um, in order to maintain our health is uh, maintain a healthy uh, gut biome. And yeah. kimchi is great for that because um, – so it's full of probiotics, but it's also full of prebiotics. And now prebiotics are what probiotics uh, like to eat. And so that makes kimchi a symbiotic food. And uh, now everybody's uh, words with friends game is that much stronger. <laughs> well, thank you, Kadeem. We're going to take a short break here and hear from one of our sponsors at Heritage. And we'll talk more when we come back. And today's break song is called Novella Glass City by my friend Nair. That's N-I-R-E. She is awesome. Look her up. We'll be right back in a few moments. Hello out there, it's Steve Jenkins, I'm with Fairway Markets, White Leghorn, Red Wattle, Bourbon Red, Navajo Churro, well these aren't names you're likely to hear at a Fairway butcher counter or any other counter today, but before the rise of factory farming you would have, and at Heritage Foods USA you still do. Heritage Foods USA exists to promote genetic diversity, small family farms, and a fully traceable food supply. You see, we believe the best way to help a family farmer is to buy from them. And Heritage Foods is honored to represent a network of family farmers, artisanal producers whose work presents an immeasurable gift to our food system and to biodiversity. The meat we celebrate, whether it's Heritage Turkey, Japanese Steaks, Berkshire Pork, or Navajo Churro Lamb Chops is the righteous kind. From healthy animals of sound genetics that have been treated humanely and allowed to pursue their natural instincts, it's a simple fact. Animals raised according to this philosophy taste better. And as we like to say, you have to eat them to save them. Visit us at HeritageFoodsUSA.com for more information. Welcome back to Feast Your Ears. I'm Harry Rosenblum from the Brooklyn Kitchen. I've been speaking with Kadeem O oh about growing up Korean and starting Mama O's kimchi back in 2008. Uh, before the break, we were talking about the probiotic and prebiotic nature of uh, fermented foods. And, uh, you know, I, it's something that I, I think a lot about. I mean, I, you know, I mentioned that we were, wish I, you know, we talked earlier about, you know, having like a kimchi shot that you could just eat when you're eating too much salami or whatever. But, you know, there are a lot of what I would say, I don't know how to term this, like traditional, like mm-hmm. the way that traditional ethnic groups or whatever foods are eaten used to include something pickled. Right. Right. I mean, you go to the Jewish deli, sure. the first thing that hits the table is a plate of pickles. Yeah. That, 
I mean, that's the first thing. And so you're you're snacking on pickles that are lacto fermented, mm-hmm. that are probiotic, and that's sort of like you know that's sort of like starts your and you know and then you're eating that massive corned beef sandwich, right, or whatever, right. You know, but it, but it but it sets it up exactly. It, yeah, and like same thing, uh, you know, sauerkraut br- brats and sauerkraut, yep. like with real sauerkraut, like. Uh, you, when you sit down to a Korean meal, you have kimchi and other banchan, like as, you know, at the beginning of the meal, mm-hmm. and it's something that I've been I've been sort of coalescing this idea in my brain to like put meals together that are more like that because I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, we've moved into this. Certainly, I feel like a little bit in the the specialty food leaning world mm-hmm. where, you know, it's all about the richest, the fattiest, mm-hmm. the most intense flavor, you know, all of these mm-hmm. things, and I think we need to sort of like. I don't know, dial that back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, it's uh, you don't even necessarily dial it back, but balance it out. Because right. if you're going to have all these rich, super rich foods, then have the uh, um, then have have some kimchi with it, or have some sauerkraut, or or um, it's it's funny. I was read uh, I was reading a study about how uh, food like affects you and basically if you eat like a bacon egg and cheese it's really bad for you bad for you in the morning but uh what was surprising is if you had it with some orange juice the orange juice it actually um helps balance it out it's not probiotic but but the the two things the acid yeah absolutely so um and that that's a big thing with korean food too is it's not like you, you 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 never just eat a steak Right. You have steak with rice and everything right. else. So, and because it, it just gets so monotonous. Sure. And I, I think that there's a, there's a, a place to sort of go with this of like, you know, we're in a position now. I mean, I was saying that like we sell lots of kimchi, mm-hmm. lots of kimchi paste at the Brooklyn Kitchen. People are into eating that, but I don't think they're going home and making like a Korean spread. Right. They're incorporating these different foods into the way that they're eating at home. And I think that there's a, there's somewhere in there and it's sort of eventually it'll sort of fully coalesce. I think in my brain of like how to talk about forming a meal. Yeah. Tell all these aspects. It's, it's really interesting because, um, one of the, uh, I'm I'm always interested to see how people incorporate, uh, kimchi into the American diet. And one of the ways, uh, um, uh, a big, uh, a lot of people's favorites, um, that I've been finding out is, uh, eggs with kimchi, avocado, and toast in the morning, and it's a great way to start the day with probiotics. And also, uh, I'm I'm definitely a hot sauce and eggs kind of guy, uh, but this is even better because you get the kick, you get and you get the acidity, but you also get the probiotics too. Right. I mean, I, my breakfast this morning was kimchi, a soft boiled egg, and rice in a bowl. There you go. That was it. Um. So talking about cooking with with kimchi i mean i think that um kimchi gets lumped into pickles mm-hmm. right i mean at the good food awards and in lots of other places right. because people are looking at it as this sort of finished product i think we think of these things they come in a jar it's not mm-hmm. a sauce right it's a finished object just to eat which is great i mean i, I love eating kimchi mm-hmm. on stuff right out of the right out of the jar um but i think that you know, there's a lot more to it. I mean, yeah. cooking yeah. with kimchi as an ingredient yeah. opens up a whole new world. And you mentioned in the you mentioned that you know if you could eat one thing for the rest of your life, it would be kimchi jjigae. Yeah, yeah. And I know that sounds corny. It sounds like a plug, but it's it's really my favorite thing to eat. I could eat I eat it for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and sometimes I do that because when when I make kimchi jjigae, I'll make a big. I make a big pot of it and I just eat it till it's gone. And when I say I eat it till it's gone, I mean I eat it for breakfast, then I eat it for lunch, and then I eat it for dinner. 
and um, and what's and then you eat it after DJing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, perfect drunk food. Yeah. Um, but uh, it and it's super 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 simple. Uh, what I like to do is I take a pork neck bone. Uh, because the meat that's close to the bone is always the most tenderest and, and flavorful. And uh, I, I brown that in, in a little bit of sesame oil. And then you throw in equal amounts kimchi and water. And that's it. Let it go for like three hours. And kim- uh, pork neck bones also, it's super cheap. It's like yep. you, you can get like enough for like eight meals for $3. And, um, and uh, yeah, so cheap and good uh that's uh that's a win-win for me nice do you serve anything else in it like tofu do you have anything else in uh, some yeah sometimes you know if i'm feeling you know feeling feeling uh extra you know snazzy i'll put some tofu in uh some mushrooms uh and that's that's the beauty of it is that you can jazz it up any, any way you want to uh but the base is is uh, but you can also go very simple you don't even need to add pork and if if it's a pinch and you want some protein you can throw in a can of tuna fish and it's not horrible oh that sounds pretty good yeah yeah nice um can you tell me a little bit about uh this event that you started i have to imagine it came out of your work in the music industry um, but now you have kimchi palooza oh yeah so kimchi palooza uh it started because uh, well I'm assuming it's not Dave Navarro just eating a lot of kimchi. No, no. it was uh, actually um, I was talking with Jimmy Carbone um, from uh, Jimmy's number forty three. Yeah, and Beer Sessions Radio here on Heritage. Yep, and uh, he was telling me he was he was doing a new event out on Governor's Island, and I was thinking about doing some uh, creating some type of annual event for Mama O's, and he was like. Do it on my do it on my thing, and I was like, oh, okay. So uh, the idea was to to do something that celebrated uh, kimchi, um, all things kimchi, and uh, so I came up with Kimchi Palooza. And basically, uh, when it first started, it was a, a make your own kimchi uh, competition, and people brought in their own kimchi, and uh, it was judged by uh, Mama O and some other 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 judges. Is Mama is Mama O a tough judge? She's 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 tough, but she's not. She's a a, a tough but kind judge. Great. Yes, absolutely. And uh, and then I had um, and then I thought the the key the keystone the key event would be um, uh, super spicy kimchi eating challenge because that was the first year that I debuted the super spicy kimchi that I make with ghost pepper, and I just thought it would be simultaneously hilarious and disgusting to watch people <laughs> stuff as much kimchi in their faces for three minutes and. See what see how much the people can eat. Uh, how many takers did you have? How many competitors were there that first I year? Had, I had like ten people each year. I, I limit it to ten people, yeah. and and they win this giant trophy that that declares that they are the the that year's Kim Super Mama O Super Spicy Kimchi Eating Champion of the Universe. Because, <laughs> I mean, come on, how many of theirs these can there be? Right. Right. Well, we don't know. I mean, there could be. Right, it could be alternate universes all over. We wouldn't, but we don't know. So it's. Oh, I, I didn't say multiverse. <laughs> I said universe. <laughs> um, that's great. Have you had any repeat competitors? Have, hey, yeah, uh, actually, uh, last year was the first uh, repeat champion. Nice. Uh, 
Wayne Wonder Algenio. Uh, two-time big, champion. Yeah, two-time champion, big Filipino. And uh, so uh, we'll, we'll see what happens this year. Um, Where's it going to be this year? I, I don't know. The past two years we've done it at Crown Victoria, and I, I love the place. Uh, this year, um, this is going to be the sixth year, and I, I kind of want to go big with it. So we'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, stay tuned. And when does it, it usually happens in the summer, right? In the summer, August, like right before, right before everyone has to start doing stuff in September. Cool. Awesome. That uh, I'll have to see if I can make it out again this year. I think I think I was there at the first one. Yeah. I think I was at one of those ones on Governor's Island. Yeah, yeah. it was good times. Totally. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I would definitely encourage everybody to, you know, start boning up now. I mean, buy some super spicy kimchi and like eat a little bit every morning just to like, you know, get yourself ready. It's uh, it's really spicy, but it's, it is delicious. Yeah, it's real. It's it is, real. It is super delicious stuff. Um, so we're just about out of time mm. here. Um, so I, much to talk about. I know, I know. I mean, it, you know, I always feel that way. We could just go, we could go on and on. But I wanted to find out. So, you know, you had been a DJ. You've had a couple of bands. Um, are you doing any music now, or is, is kimchi making sort of take up too much of your time? Um, well, I have a I have a, a pet project that that I uh, I started a little while ago called K Hole, and uh, it's Korean insult punk. And the, the inspiration from that was uh, Korean parents. Uh, Korean parents are really good at yelling at their kids, and I got yelled at a lot. So, um, so, but it's 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 funny because in Korean there there are these stock words that aren't really. Uh, uh, it's not like fuck shit asshole whatever whatever the seven uh, seven words are. And so the and to me it's it's just kind of funny. So what I did was I, I went home and. Uh, uh, for Thanksgiving a couple years ago, and uh, I, I, first I made the music, and then I sampled uh, my my folks. Uh, I told them to uh, make up a story and, and just yell at me, and so they made a story about me coming home drunk and losing my wife and kids because of this, and uh, it's just super funny. And so it's set to music. Yeah. Just to clarify, that's not true. Y- yeah, that didn't right. happen to you. I, I have no <laughs> wife, no kids. Uh, no girlfriend either. <laughs> Not because you came home drunk. This was right, obvious. right, never. <laughs> um, it, is it is it that the the insults in Korean are just like it's a it, there are so many of them in one conversation or are they creative in and of themselves no it's not it's just it's uh they're not super there's they're like the stock words they're like that, the stock words yeah and 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 but but everyone every kid has heard them <laughs> every <laughs> korean kid has heard them and it's just it's just really uh at this point i have a, a good relationship with my folks now so that i don't get yelled at anymore so and, if i go online and i search for uh k-hole kadeem o will i find this online uh, to listen to yeah i think you have to like do k-hole like the p- hashtag number one k-hole number two and uh you uh i made a a, a visual album so there, oh, nice. there are four songs out there so far and uh yeah it's 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 lo-fi just punk fun Great. stuff cool i'm gonna definitely check it out well uh thank you kadeem for uh, for coming oh, on the show i hope you get a little sleep i know the red eye's a little a little rough uh thanks everyone for listening to feast your ears this week a uh, big thank you to Kristen baylor my producer here and jack insley who engineered the show today and yeah. please take a moment to like the show on facebook and itunes and follow us on instagram talk to you next week peace thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org you can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. 
You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. Thank you.